This is Our Voices on the Yard. Welcome to Our Voices on the Yard, where Black artistic excellence meets everyday life. I'm your host, Denise Woods, and I'm going to take you from the Black church to the bright lights of Broadway, from tiny music studios to the mega stages of international opera houses, from rustic dance studios to ornate vaudeville theaters. Join me as we explore and celebrate the achievements of the Black artists that attended conservatories and fine arts programs around the world, starting with my very own, the Juilliard School. This is Our Voices on the Yard. Hi, this is Denise Woods, and welcome back to Our Voices on the Yard. Today, we have part two of the Stephen McKinley Henderson and Elijah Jones interview. Part one was exceptional. So sit back and just wait for part two. These gentlemen go in, folks. It's wonderful. It's a history lesson. It's a lesson of grace. It's a lesson of of just pure artistry. So, enjoy. Um, this is a good segue to come over to you, Elijah, because lots changed in the 50 years, or maybe it hadn't. Let's talk about that. What changed? What didn't? Maybe a lot. Some things change, and some things stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as in the classical spaces go and like in the classical space, I want to know how comfortable you felt, how comfortable you were made to feel in the environment. Was it welcoming by the time you got there? And, and did they welcome all of you? See, that's the thing. I felt that they were welcoming parts of me, not the entire me. I, no one ever said it. It was unspoken that I can't bring all of me to the table. <laughs> you know, I had to check some of who, who Denise is at the door. And it seems like by the time you came to the table, Elijah, you were able to bring your full self, culture, background, history and all to the table. Yeah. Or maybe I, not. I think, no, I think that there were moments of being able to do that. And then I think there were moments where we, I specifically was asked to like not do that. And I always, I guess, kind of struggled with whether or not that was a part of the training, you know, if that was a part of uh, trying to expand as as an actor and do things outside of what I, you know, normally would do. But there, I think there were definitely times in in Chekhov specifically where I felt, mm. you know, I kind of had to play, I, I felt like I was being asked to play a, a white character, like actually a white character, even though I'm a black man. And so, and so every character I play is ultimately going to be black. I mean, they, they, you know, they have to be, I, that, yeah. that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that there were certain things specifically along uh, the lines of speech or specifically a voice class that, that we were having. We were talking about Chekhov and the teacher was talking about needing to speak in a, a standard English, standard American speech, which I 
I challenged because I was like, well, what is, you know, one, what is standard American? And I think they've since, you know, gotten away from using that term. But I was like, what is standard American? And also in terms like for Chekhov specifically, it was confusing to me because I'm like, well, these people are Russian. Right. So they weren't speaking English at all, you know, they weren't, they, and, and, and so this, the idea that, that, that we, when we're doing Chekhov, to have some standard American, that's how they would like, I, it, I just, I never, I never got a clear answer on why exactly we needed to do that. And I did it, you know, I did it. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this as a challenge, I guess, to myself to just, you know, stretch myself. But I just wished specifically in Chekhov that, that there was just a bit more clarity around why it is we are we need to speak in this particular way. I think with Shakespeare, we were able to bring ourselves a bit more, you know, and, and we're able to interpret characters in different ways that that were fun and that were more authentic to who we are as people. But yeah, so because Shakespeare and Chekhov at Juilliard are, are the really big ones and which mm-hmm. just, we just never, I don't know. And I actually, when we, you know, at Juilliard, they, they have a checkoff slot, right? And you normally, they, the class gets split up into, into two different plays and half the class does one, half the class does another. And uh, I actually ended up being in both plays and in neither one of them, I, I never really got comfortable. I never really was able to be like, oh, okay, this is where I live in this. I think it was really because specifically the vocal, I guess what I would say, restriction around that. But mm. yeah, yeah. So, Do you have anything to add to that, Stephen? Yeah, I definitely, and I want to say, I love Chekhov. I, I absolutely, really. There's something more kitchen table about Chekhov for me, that there's something about the warmth mm. of the samovar and the warmth of our uh, the, of the kitchen in our culture. Mm-hmm. So th- th- there just seems to be more connection for me with Chekhov than uh, uh, than with Shakespeare. But uh, I rejoice in playing anything about uh, the the truth of the human spirit. So I, I didn't mind getting to whatever. But where I feel when I feel that there's progress being made is when there are. Uh, African-American teachers and African-American directors. See, what's, that's what we didn't have back then. And so consequently, when uh, Israel Hicks directed a production of uh, Joe Turner's Come and Gone at, at, mm-hmm. at Juilliard, and uh, it was a triumph. I was uh, I had something to do with the part of it getting getting done. I was supposed to be a guest artist. I didn't end up being, but I but I definitely was uh, helpful in getting Israel uh, doing that show. And, and see, this goes back to, in our time, what Amiri Baraka was talking about, about we are classic people. We are classical people. You can't get more classical than Africa, man. You can't find nothing more classical than Africa, okay? As language and arts and, and the mask and dance mm. and, and all that develop, so we're a classical people, so we belong in the classes. But the thing is, it helps tremendously when you can work on your own classics and have them seen and acknowledged mm-hmm. to be at that that uh, standard that can inform humanity of itself. Yes. That there are lessons about being human and how to live together that we have always had a, a part in. 
And and so it makes you less recalcitrant when somebody is trying <laughs> to tell you, oh, no, I want you to use the ask list of words or or if they try to tell you <laughs> about the mid-Atlantic speech, you know, some of the mid-Atlantic. And I want to say, man, the middle of the Atlantic is not somewhere I want to talk about. OK, you don't talk to black people <laughs> yes. about the middle of the Atlantic. Yes. All right. Atlantic. See, so where they go from mid-Atlantic to standard English or whatever code words. But I understand if you're going to build an ensemble, if you approach it from the standpoint of the work of art and say, we're going to build an ensemble. And in this community, these people talk this way who are of this social stand and these people talk this way. And we start to talk mm-hmm. about what the play, what the demands of the play is. So as if mm-hmm. you're doing cherry orchard and you, you got a line there, you know, you got to know that. But if, if mm-hmm. you're doing three sisters, you're doing that in a certain house. But when a soldier comes in, they could come from anywhere. So mm. when you get into the world of the play, when you really start talking about the world of the play, but if you're talking culturally, see, if you don't, if you don't realize, if you got teachers who don't realize that they are speaking about something other than the world of the play, that they are talking about a mm. standard that they think they own, white yes. supremacy is not just the ugliness that we know it to be in the woods or in the schools or in a supermarket. You know what I'm saying? It's a thinking and, and everybody don't know that they're afflicted by it. So, you know, you, you do important work as an artist when you are indeed realizing that there's only one race and to understand that, that this is a cultural thing we're talking about. If you can get to that and understand mm. what the cultures are, what the ethnicities are and what the cultures are. But we really earthlings. And I mean, now this is just me on, on in the pulpit now. So I'm, I'm not trying to make this be something that everybody's supposed yes. to know or be with. But but there's a human race and the medical profession betrayed something when they joined the slave masters and said, OK, we're going to say that this brain is small and we're going to say that this we're going to go along with this race thing and we're going to make it easier for you to enslave a people or to de- or to, to destroy the Native Americans. or the- We're going to make it easier because we're going to say that this is that. But as soon as they got to where they needed to transplant a liver, transplant a heart, just to stay alive. And they were saying, oh, you can take that black man's liver. You can take that black man's heart. You can experiment on these black people in South Africa to figure out how to do a heart transplant. And then they started to understand, well, now we got to stop talking this thing about that we are so different and all that change. So, and I, like I say, I have to witness for this because this is the truth that I had to learn to keep my sanity. Mm-hmm. I, I had to learn this so I could say, well, why do I love to play uh, these characters? Why do I read this, this literature and say, oh, I understand something about that that human being, even though they're in a whole other yes. culture, right? Mm. And I would say, so it is right that I should understand that human being. It's not right for me to understand that human being who happens to be in another culture. But it is very important mm-hmm. that they understand my culture and what yes. they can learn about being a human being from Joe Turner's Come and Gone and from Piano Lesson and mm. from, it is crucially important. And that's why I say like, like Lynn Nottage and her contribution that with Ruined and with all oh, men, her, her work and Sweat. 
Oh, the one oh that Vi gosh. Viola did about the seamstress. That one is what's the you know you know the play. Oh, intimate uh, apparel. Intimate, Inti uh, intimate apparel. Look at the yes. genius of that yes. title. Yes, look at the genius. Yes. Of that. And to read that play yes. and to understand what it is about thinking, being human. So that's why I rejoice in, in our culture. And I do think, and, I, and I'll say this and I'll be through, is that the one thing you can get from a Juilliard experience is to understand the height of what artistic contribution can be and mm -hmm. how important it is to society, to the public, to our growth to our expansion as earthlings, that we should yes. get to know art and understand art and all these cultural things. And so it's, it's righteous. When I see yes. you doing that piece, Elijah, I'm telling you, because I say, man, man, if I had stayed at Juilliard, I might be as good as that brother right there doing <laughs> that work. I might be, I might be able to rock it like he does, man. And like Andre's rocking it now, you know. Without a doubt, rocking it thing. I thought of immediately Derek Walcott mm. and Wole Soyanka. Oh, and all of goodness. these amazing right playwrights that we could have had in the Juilliard curriculum um, and will have. The Juilliard curriculum does have. I mean, yeah, that's they, what this 50 years. Now. Yeah, I've yes, seen it. That's, that's what, what I rejoice in that growth. I rejoice in that growth. Mm -hmm. I really do. To see I, the plays, coming the back. playwrights. The directors yes. and the faculty that yes. that 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 are there. I just want to take a moment to extend my heartfelt well wishes to the community of Buffalo because I know that that's where you're from, Stephen. And we spoke about it just shortly after the atrocity happened. And I just I would be remiss if I didn't mm -hmm. acknowledge that. Acknowledge you, your family, your community, mm -hmm. our community at large. So yeah, if yeah. you just want to speak a moment. Oh yeah, well I'm that. sitting here now coming from Buffalo. I'm not originally from this town. I've been here for right. 30 plus years. It was a hard hit that it took, but we do, I, I agree with you that it is, it becomes America's city when something it like is. this happens. It happened to a community and at a place and at a time that most vulnerable, you know, to have someone come into a supermarket at, at two o'clock on a beautiful day or one, between one and two on a beautiful day and do something like that. It's a long time that it'll be processing and healing, but it's America that this is happening to. And mm -hmm. I'd say the same thing about the town in Texas. I mean, my goodness. Those young, those babies, those babies. Mm -hmm. I heard the story of a young lady who had to smear herself with blood from her friend and lay still right. and climb out. I think of her. I think of her. Yes. And I think we of the grandmother here in in Buffalo asking to just let me live, let me live at, mm -hmm. at her at that age and to see. It's a time. It's a time. And mm -hmm. here's where that's why we have questions about the arts and about what we need to be doing at a particular time and understanding that even though there are plays that have timeless messages uh, from the Greeks yes. and from Shakespeare and from Chekhov and from Shaw and Ibsen and Strindberg and all, but th there's a time that you got to tell your story. Yes. There comes a time you've got to tell your story and America's got to tell its story. America 
has got to tell its story. You can't ban books and not ban guns. You can't not tell the, the, your own history and then make up, you know, imaginary facts. So I thank you for saying that about the, the city of Buffalo, but we, yes. we, we weep and we, and we offer condolences to Buffalo and we offer condolences for America. Yes, as do we. Just wanna get a little bit more of, of your thoughts, Elijah, on you being the beneficiary of the 49 years that came before you. Absolutely. Did, did you feel it? Did you feel it? Did you know it? I, I definitely, definitely felt it. And I think where I felt it most was actually that that very first weekend that you, Denise, actually put together with Brittany Bradford, if I'm not mistaken. When we had so many alum come back, Black alum specifically, and, and to get to speak and hear their stories, James Moody was one of them, and, 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 and Keith David, and, and Wendell Pierce, and Lisa Gay Hamilton, and, uh, Lisa Arndale, there, there were just so many people who came and, and, and talked to us. And so coming in and being able to... And Stephen was there as well. Absolutely. Yes, yes, Stephen. Oh, my goodness. Because mm -hmm. I had the... And then we had the 50th uh, anniversary celebration. And, and, and to stand on stage with you was also incredible. And I mean... It just, it was, I mean, it just made me feel so grateful for all that, all the groundwork that, that was laid. It was very, very evident when I got there, honestly. And it was all courtesy of that, that one specific weekend and getting to hear you all stories, getting to speak to y'all and, and get, get advice from you all so that when we traverse these, these four years, it was so many times where I could reflect back on on that weekend and you know you mentioned one of my favorite artists man when you say lisa gay hamilton man oh she my is, she yeah. is a powerful mm. sister and and mm. she got a story and she witnesses to this uh i i tell you this touched my heart so uh and she's such a great artist she'll be here she's oh, next up please give her my love she's next and enduring enduring i will i will affection enduring yes Yes, yes. She was a little bit after me, but next up is Lorraine Toussaint and Brittany Bradford. Yeah. And then we're going to come back to Lisa Gay Hamilton. Wow. Yes. And we've got word out to Viola. She'll be here too. I'm sure she'll come. Oh, yeah. But gentlemen, I want to just thank you for this, this, this maiden voyage, if you will, mm. because it's, it's important it's not just the drama division. We're starting out with the drama division, but we've got dancers. We've got black musicians. Uh, we have black musicians because we started the drama division in the 60s, but we have African-American, African-Caribbean musicians that were there in the 30s and did wonderful work in HBCUs around the, around the, the country and had wonderful careers as opera singers and stars of the European stages. And we want to explore that world too. So the, we're, we're, we're talking about Black excellence at its finest. And we're also talking about, and I thank you gentlemen for really getting into the real nitty gritty of the, the not so beautiful, poignant essence and elements, essentially, 
of an institution like Juilliard. It can be dark sometimes, but wherever there's dark, there's light. The light really does shine out the dark. And I think unequivocally, that experience for most of us is the experience that the light really did shine out, just canceled out the dark days because there were several for, for a myriad of reasons. Yeah, no, no. But we can unequivocally say that, that the light really shone in our spirit because as artists, that's what we were there for, that's what we were there to do. And we continue to do that by telling our stories. Yes, yes. Thank you so to... much. Thank you so Thank much you. for doing this. My Denise. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To be continued. I'd love to come back and I'd love for us to sit in Juilliard. I'd love for, I'd love for us to have a second go round at mm. what we did that weekend, an oh, alumni oh, weekend. I think that that was just so pivotal, you know, for, for, for my beginning journey. And, and, and I wish, you know, that the classes behind me could get that same thing because it, it honestly I think for me it just shifted me into a to a whole different gear yeah yes thank you any last thoughts last thoughts before we go we'll well you know Elijah, there's always going to be thoughts. a reason that, that you know they're going to be young people who will be going through that program who are in the middle of their training and they're going to think oh my god man nobody's ever felt this everybody's ever been through this what they're sending me through and we've <laughs> got to be there to let them know no no this too shall pass Absolutely. and the whole journey is is bittersweet and it's bitter for a moment but it can be sweet for a lifetime yes. the career you have after mm. this these muscles are built because you're going to be building some muscles here. But mm -hmm. it's not about this little time you here. You just here for a little time. It's going to last. But this, <laughs> this is this. And some is bitter, but it's just, it's bitter for, for a moment. But it's sweet for a lifetime. If mm -hmm. you get all you can get and journey on, you know, soldier mm -hmm. on journey on. Don't let the boogeyman shatter your dreams. Hey, don't let the jobs get you, you just, down. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell them in life. I mean, it's a. <laughs> that's really what I took away from Juilliard, you know, because that because I had a lot of those moments. I had a lot of those moments where I was in it, and I was like, "Why am I doing this? Like, do I should I really be like? Is this? Do I really want to get up again at nine in the morning and stay till nine and ten at night?" But it is a marathon, and Juilliard really instilled that in me, and and I'm grateful to Juilliard for that because now I'm being on the other side, and just the beginning of being on the other side, I feel that I'm like, okay, all right, I, you know, I, I never ran a marathon, but I imagine that is that is parts of the marathon, you know, when you're in the middle of it and you asking yourself, why am I doing this again? And you got to be real clear on what that why is in order to get to the end of the marathon. But Juilliard helped me get really clear on what that why is. I am so excited to be in the marathon with the both of y'all and with all of the individuals who came before me and the people who are going to come after me. But yeah, just stay in it. Thank you. That's Thank it. You. Stay in it. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen McKinley Henderson and Elijah Jones. Group one, Stephen McKinley Henderson. Group 50, Elijah Jones. I'm Denise Woods, group eight of the drama division at the Juilliard School saying thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Love you. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Thank you for joining me. 
Thank you. I hope you've learned something. I hope you feel enlightened. I hope you feel lighter than you did before you entered. Subscribe and leave us a review. Tell us what you liked. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Tell us who you'd want to see. This is Denise Wood saying, see you next time.